You're listening to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. Let's turn to our very first topic and guests of today. In the next 20 minutes or so, we're hearing about a locally produced film, which we will hear more about the backstory about, and it is called Our Foreseeable World, which is a student-led film about climate change. And I'm really delighted to be joined by Katia, sorry, Katia Shek, the co-writer and the director, along with Ewan Windebank, who is the director of photography and editor of of the film. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for joining us, Katia, and also Yuen. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having us. I'm so excited to hear more about that. And it's always so encouraging to see young blood and also young people caring about such an important issue. Um, We are live this afternoon on Facebook as well, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. So for some of our listeners, feel free to be viewers this afternoon and join us there. So maybe, Katia, I'll start off with you first. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about the film you co-wrote this uh, what is it about so this film is about this young activist who's really passionate about fighting for our planet and through her journey of learning more about this issue she meets people from different marginalized communities and how the climate crisis specifically um is its effects are more exacerbated towards them and she goes through this journey of understanding herself with familial relationships being strained perhaps due to the crisis and just you know wanting to do something so bad um to make lives for other people better yeah what inspired you to write this film um i think ewan and i can both talk about it because we're part of the same generation so same troubles here (laughs) yeah with the the world that we've sort of i I lump myself but you know maybe i'm one generation (laughs) of it but sort of with the world that we are inheriting or what kind of a world will we leave for our children exactly and it's just so frustrating to communicate this issue sometimes because our human mind is just not wired to understand how there can be such long-term impacts towards our lives so i think something that also humanizes the issue is theater and with communicating the issue and showing the human impacts of our environmental crisis it gets the story told it tells people why this crisis specifically impacts your life and that's why it inspired us to make this film yeah well let's bring you in in because you know you're the director of photographer and also a photography and also the editor you must feel some sort of a passion for this subject i mean what's your take on climate on the climate crisis issue oh um yeah absolutely i mean i remember when i first started learning about the climate crisis uh, back in 2019 uh, this is when Fridays for Future was becoming a big thing. We had Greta Thunberg fighting at the front. And me be- wanting to be an informed citizen, I just sort of looked more into it. Um, and I, I just came to realize how big of an issue this is. And at the time, I was so confused on how this issue, which will affect us all if it keeps going the way it is, and how little people are actually taking action towards it and trying to uh, just uh, not justify, but like to fix the problems. So um, I got involved with the whole uh, climate change movement. Um, and because I'm a filmmaker, and um, it's like one of the one of the reasons why I became a filmmaker was to raise awareness for social issues. Uh, I've always wanted to make a film about climate change, and when Cartier contacted me about the film and about the idea, um, I was instantly drawn into it. Not because of my uh, filmmaking uh, passion, but also my passion towards uh, climate action. Yeah, why do you think this is a topic that sort of everybody can relate to, and it's something that everybody should really care about? Yet it seems to be sort of dragging its feet and I feel like it's a topic that sort of rears its head and then it gets sort of buried under under all sorts of things but why is it a topic that we should all really urgently pay our attention to? 
Well, uh, really? like Katia said, it's really hard to fathom how climate change is happening because it's a really um, awkwardly slow problem. Um, we're so like the temperature is only very slowly rising and people see that as oh that's not such a big deal you know it's only you know 0 0.1 0 0.5 degrees celsius what's that gonna do but then over um, time it's like come on guys absolutely yes um the weather is a very uh very sensitive sort of thing and if it rises by just one degree celsius the sea levels will rise a great deal everything will sort of it's a cascade effect um so even though we're talking about um in total four degrees celsius by 2100 we are looking at a very huge effect on our weather and the way the world will work, the sea levels and everything else will, will just cascade on and it will become a big issue. Yeah. yeah. One interesting about this film, it's also set um, with the younger generation as well. And you really see that generational divide between perhaps young people and their parents, as an example. Why was that important for you to highlight uh, in, in, your, in your film, Cartier? Because I think it's really hard for like the older generations to understand why specifically the younger generation cares more. And that's not to devalidate what the older generation has done to curate the data and make this issue as valid, valid as it is. But it's just, you know, within relationships, it's always like a social issue could drive a wedge between them just because of the different opinions. There's like polarizing opinions within a family. And it's also like a tug between passion because passion you know, it tears between like your political view, not not just political views, but just views on social issues. And that obviously could cause a strain within the different generations, you know, especially when you're fed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you sort of had experience in that? And how do you sort of go about persuading people, not necessarily just a different generation, but people of different beliefs? Because there are people out there who don't believe in the climate, climate crisis, who think that scientists are uh, being paid or just, you know, no, it's, it's not true. I mean, how do you combat that fake news? Um, I mean, I've, I've met people, uh, maybe not people who don't believe in it. I, I've met, like, most of the people I've met do un sort of understand it, but a lot of people have this mindset that it's not their issue. Yeah. You know, they're thinking, oh, if I stop using plastic bottles, it's only saving a couple plastic bottles um, a year or whatever, right? I've met and, people like that too. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, every little helps. Yeah, exactly. And, and we always say, you know, it's all the small things that count into one big action. And yeah, I do understand where they're coming from, thinking that their small actions won't do much. But like, you've got to think as a collective and if everyone starts doing this, it becomes a priority. But another way I see it is that if it becomes a priority to you as a person, then it'll become priorities to bigger organizations and companies and governments because the big uh, the main thing about governments and companies and everything is that they want to please people in a way as in their policies will shift where the people pay their attention so if more people start caring about climate uh, climate action everything then obviously governments would want to try and get these people's votes and then the companies want to get these people to like them so it's sort of it, it always has to start with the small people to get the big fishes to start acting as well, right? Yeah, I totally agree. And honestly, I think sometimes the media places so much of the onus on consumers going like, your straw is what's causing everything to cascade. But I think there's a limit to that. There's a limit to what you can do as an individual. Ultimately, it's up to like systemic change. But I still encourage individual change because small actions like, oh, refusing plastic, this is about 
fostering a different type of mindset and like changing the culture of how we consume things and that ultimately leads up to bigger actions as just like what Ewan said. Absolutely. I totally agree with you both and uh, a line from Jane's dad who sort of says well you know leave it to the government and that sort of struck a chord because sometimes it isn't government-led sometimes it is about regular people like you and I making these changes. Um, thank you so much, uh, Venita, for writing in. We are live this afternoon uh, on Facebook, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3, and uh, Venita says, I read something wonderful that stayed with me, and she quotes, you do not inherit this planet from your ancestors, you borrow it from your children. That's very, wow. very poignant indeed. Um, and Tracy says that's a very accurate statement. So perhaps um, uh, maybe, uh, Katia, I'll, I'll, I'll put this question to you. Uh, what sorts of challenges did you have sort of putting together this film? Because speaking at the beginning, it wasn't originally a film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the funniest part. I went into this going like, oh, we're going to book a theater. It's going to be so exciting. We're going to have a live audience. And we went as far as to literally having the documents to sign the lease for the venue. Okay, well, here it goes. COVID, <laughs> COVID strikes, our favorite friend. Um, so that happened. And as if it wasn't difficult enough to get the whole cast together to do ordinary cast rehearsals, given that we're students, so we don't have a lot of authority over like students, you know? So this just, I mean, everything happens for a reason. So because we couldn't do this live, we had to turn it into a film, and that's where I reconnected with Ewan. Excellent. And because you guys don't go to the same school at, at all, so um, how did sort of get, how did you get reconnected to, to Ewan, and how did you both meet? Because you're, you're, you're still at school, and Ewan is in a uh, uh, university. You can tell that story. <laughs> it's not a story I'm very proud of. Oh gosh, I haven't created an awkward. <laughs> no, it was it was like four years ago when we did some summer musical school, oh. and I just vaguely remember this kid, <laughs> this who was older than me, but he he was like really diligent, and you know he was really on it, and we were both like just really into the theater yeah. scene. And then I followed him on Instagram and then saw that he was doing amazing things with film, getting to like producing different films, getting awards all over the world. And I was just like, wow, if there's anyone who can execute this project, Got to try. Gotta I really try. want our Facebook, our, our listeners to get onto Facebook because you can actually see Ewan blushing <laughs> under his face mask at Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. Okay, so it's great that, you know, the connection was made and you got roped into this. Had you ever sort of um, worked on a, a, a theatre turned film project before? I mean, how did you sort of adapt your mentality <laughs> uh, to keep in the spirit of things? Yeah, um, that was a very big debate that I had when, I, when uh, Katia first contacted me. She told me all about the idea and how they had been rehearsing for the theatre piece, right? Um, but they couldn't do the theatre piece. And I just remember think, the first thing I thought was, what if I mess it up? Because like, there's a lot of people involved. And now that they want to rely on film, you know, and if I come in, it'll mostly be me who's handling cameras and doing the video editing. You know, if I mess up, then a lot of people will be pretty angry. But second, I just saw it as this big um, challenge because obviously I make films and everything in um, in film, we plan out meticulously, and it's frame it's by made frame to the be. storyboard. Exactly, we've, we've got all of these. Uh, it's a whole different process to theatre. That's the the bottom line here. Um, so I'll, I I did think about it a lot, but I obviously took on the challenge because it was a topic I was very involved in, and I was just thinking it would be such a shame if uh, what they made the, when they showed me the script, I read through the whole thing, and I was just 
it, it really had this grip on my, my heart. You know, they had such great writing, and it'd be such a shame if it, if the world couldn't see it. Absolutely, um, I, I yeah. completely agree. It's such a well-made film. I mean, kudos to, <laughs> to really you. your editing and also the story itself. So really kudos uh, to you, Katia, and your co-writer, Alicia. Really, the dialogue between the young people is really poignant and it really sort of strikes a chord. I think anybody at any age group, at any one point who cares about the planet, really is a must-watch because, you know, it really makes you think about your, your, your actions. Uh, Venita comes back and says, uh, what, according to you, is the number one cause of climate change and how does your film address this? I suppose there were quite a few um, scenes that talks about the different issues. Uh, I mean, meeting Sam and, and him talking about his father's island, Palau, uh, w without giving too much away. Um, it was heartbreaking um, just to know what we're doing to the planet. And really, your geography in the world determines your fate. Because let's face it, there are some places in the world which are, you know, not uh, doing as well economically. Their sea levels are rising. There's really, you know, they've been dealt some pretty harsh cards. Um, Katia, so um, what's your sort of uh, re response to the number one cause of climate change and how does your film address this? I guess I would personally say the number one cause is human inaction, human denial, human negligence. Like we always think like policies, like, yeah, it's policies problems, but ultimately who makes the policy? It's people. It's people not understanding the urgency of it and people not understand the power of their agency, you know, to really do something in whatever position they stand in our world and just, you know, doing something for people who will be most affected by this issue. Exactly. Uh, completely agree. Just that, you know, apathetic approach, you know, if I don't do it, somebody else will do it. Yeah. But, you know, it's not necessarily. What's your thoughts on that? What's your reading of, of that mm. then? I mean, I definitely agree with Katia. Um, it has been just a very long build up of human inaction. Um, but I remember uh, watching the news uh, the, a few weeks ago and th they had this piece of US and China debating who's more responsible to, to, to sort out climate change. You know, China was saying, oh, I've only polluted this much in this amount of time, whereas the US has been polluting since whatever, whatever years. And I was just sitting there thinking, why are you debating who should be fixing it when we should all be putting in an effort to actually make a solve? You know, I... I mean, it's it's very easy agree, to start agree. debating. Yes. Oh, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. You know, but that's so childish. You know, yeah. instead of debating, oh, it's this one cause or this is the biggest cause. I just think we should all get on with it and start trying to solve the issue, right? If only you guys ran the world. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. We often see sort of you know country leaders of various nations signing various agreements and just seeing what they can possibly get out of it rather than actually having their eye on the problem what needs to be fixed and ultimately we all live in a you know m m much better world um apart from the challenges you know f for this film our foreseeable um world which by the way is a really clever title <laughs> just explain for some of our listeners how is it written how did this idea come to you um because i actually had to check with you and how it was pronounced <laughs> sorry it kind of looked like four degree See, no. Abel, uh, yeah, so explain to our listeners. It was literally a shower thought. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the best thoughts. Yes. Yeah, the best thoughts come there. And it was just, it's it's a wordplay, it's just a case, like, foreseeable, because this is going to be our future, but um, four degrees, because at four degrees, the effects of climate change are practically irreversible. So that's something that we don't want to arrive to at all, but... Yeah, I think this name encapsulates what her play stands for. You know, it sets in it's set in the future. Um, it's fictional, but of course, it's inspired by real life events like um, 
but yeah, just thought the wordplay would catch people's eyes and you know. <laughs> Very clever indeed. Um, what did you sort of learn along? What did you learn along the way in, in making this sort of uh, theatre turned film, Ewan? Um, it was definitely um, an interesting experience. I mean, I got I, I first heard of it at the end of December last year, and by February we were filming. Wow. Um, and not very long at all. Not long at all. Um, and basically, I remember when I, I started working on the project, I wanted to try and reserve them as much as their theatre uh, work as possible, mm. um, because they've obviously done blockings and they've done a few things that are very theatrical, which is not common for film, but I really wanted to try and preserve these moments. Uh, so one of the things we tried to do is each scene would be done in one whole take. So instead of cutting the camera constantly like a film would, we did it in one take because that's how you watch theatre, right? The, the lights go out, the lights come back on, and the scene uh, is in front of you. That's it. That's why yeah. the lights go out. And it's very clever how the camera sort of zooms into sort of the body of a character and then it, yeah. black, and then it fades out. Exactly, exactly. Oh, wow. So the film is made to, to try and in, like, take on its film personality and the character it has. Um, so th that was one of the big challenges. And I remember uh, on set, you know, we, in film... In, in theatre, you know, you, you get one shot, the, the play starts at 6 o'clock, you finish at 6.40. If you make a mistake during it, you make a mistake and you just got to keep moving, right? In film, we, we, if we, we see a mistake, we cut, cut. <laughs> we go again. So uh, I remember we had two full days of shooting. Uh, so these are like not eight, nine hours, eight, nine hour days. And we would keep, re because as filmmakers, I had a friend, Michael, who helped me with the filmmaking and since we're so involved with film we are so used to cutting the cameras and redoing everything but because we decided this one take format each take would cost us five ten minutes and i, I do remember uh running late on most things and uh Cassie so and alicia the, the two co-directors um kept when we cut the camera they, they would be confused as to what went wrong but we would have a very small issue with the shot and we'd redo it and you, i could see like the patient sort of wearing on a lot of people it didn't um, look so like it at all watching the film I had, <laughs> yeah, it was so a testament to the professionalism <laughs> of, of you guys and, and the actors as yeah, well um so it, it was definitely so nice to have at least the passion of everyone driving the project forwards otherwise i, I feel like most people would have gotten sick of redoing the same thing over and over again yeah. um, but trying to break out of that mindset you know remember it's a theatre piece and we gotta try and keep the takes down so it wouldn't wear on everyone else uh, did, did pose a challenge because on one of the days we were like Two three, three hours, hours late. late. Yeah, it was On bad. Schedule. It was so scary. <laughs> the team morale was pretty <laughs> was just challenged. <laughs> Naturally, because if you're running sort of three hours late on, yeah, and and it's different. It's a different game to film where you've got Absolutely, various yeah. storyboards. You know, with theatre, yeah. I just can't imagine how how stressful that must have been. What did you learn along the way then, Cartier? Um. I honestly just really appreciated how film was made. I always like, I think film is such a cool form of art. I think it's like the most mainstream because it connects to the most people. So seeing that happen and being on like the other side of the camera, seeing how they fix things, seeing how they fix the lighting to make everything just pop like 10 times more. And then even going through this process that we were still doing a week ago, which was like uh, going like, okay, we need to fine tune this part of the editing. like. 
it's it's pretty awesome like it's pretty pretty awesome yeah. and thank god we have someone who's experienced <laughs> yeah. and like you know guiding us through everything it's pretty brilliant awesome. wow um so uh vanita says i'm sorry i missed this earlier but where can we watch this film well vanita you didn't miss it because we hadn't mentioned it so this is the last question um for our listeners who are wondering where can they watch this student-led production and really i really recommend this film um it's about half an hour uh, long and it's available on youtube where can people go to have you got a website and are you on social media how can people find out more about your film the foreseeable world we have a website yeah we do have a website which has everything um instagram handle is our foreseeable world without the four just like the word itself our foreseeable world and the link um, the link we can post it on the Facebook live. Yeah, I think it's better, I, I'm not going to recite a bunch of random letters and numbers. <laughs> Actually, you don't have to. I think Tracy's already done that. Many thanks. Oh, um, posted, <laughs> posted the link. Um, well, thank you so much to both of you. Thank you so much, Ewan Winderbank, along with Katia Shek, uh, for, for joining us this afternoon to talk about uh, their film, Our Foreseeable World. And for our viewers uh, on Facebook and for our listeners, I'll post the link on our Facebook page so you'll all be able to enjoy it. Thank you so much for your time. Right, thank, thank you for you having so us. Thank you so much.